Happy New Year. Welcome to church. My name is Joshua and I'm the creative director here. This morning we're having a special message from Josiah Almos. His message is titled The Seeker and focuses on Job. If you're new here, we'd love to get you connected with our community. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll respond right back. Head to calvarycommunity.ca to see how you can get involved here. On the page, we have different ministries you can join, engage with community, and see a little bit about what's going on here at Calvary. We're so glad you could join us today. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to repeat Pastor Doug and say, Happy New Year! I hope so far it's been good, all 10 hours of it. <laughs> and I'm so glad you guys could join us today. Um, if you've been following us or attending in person, you'd know that we've been going through the book of Philippi, Paul's letter to the church. Um, and today we're going to take a bit of a break. We're going to do something a little bit different, and we'll be back to it next week. So, have you ever done anything kind of dumb? And afterwards, ask yourself, why did I do that? Or what was I thinking when I did this? Well, for me, uh, when I first started getting into kayaking, and for those of you who don't know, I really enjoy paddling. Uh, in the summers, springs, early falls, late fall gets a little bit too cold. Um, I've been whitewater paddling down creeks, rivers, and paddled lakes and ponds where it's nice and calm. Uh, but the first time, or the first couple times I went paddling down rapids, I made the mistake of wearing sunglasses. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, how is that a mistake? It seems like something reasonable to do. You go out on a nice day, it's sunny, sun's in your eyes, you wear sunglasses. Well, here's the kicker. I wore my nice prescription sunglasses. And for those of you who don't wear prescription glasses, those are really, really expensive. Uh, not only were they prescription, they were also polarized, which adds on to the cost. Um, so, I'm paddling out on this river, uh, and because I'm fairly new to this whole thing, I kind of hit an eddy, which is like an alcove sort of in the river where water kind of collects and it swirls around. I hit this eddy, my boat smacks a rock, and I flip over. And when I flip over, my fancy polarized sunglasses go flying off into the rapids. So, not only am I stuck with blurry vision, I have now lost my nice sunglasses. I ain't ever getting those back. And you'd think I learned the first time. No, no. I did it a second time thinking it was gonna be, some, it was gonna be different. But looking back on that, I still am thinking, why on earth did I do that? Especially the second time. And while I can ask why all I want, the answer is I just wasn't thinking ahead of time. When I was a kid, um, the nightly routine at my dad's house was he'd put me to bed, I'd lay there, and we'd spend like, I don't know, half an hour, an hour, give or take, uh, asking questions. And most of the questions I had were why questions, like the ones you have as a kid. Like, why is the sky blue? Why is it like when I drop something, it hits the ground. And so he'd kind of give me these answers where it'd be like, well, the sky's blue because blue light bounces off particles in the sky and 
that light hits your eyes. You know, he would say it in a way that I would understand. Um, but the thing is, as you get older, you kind of start to encounter situations where there doesn't seem to be an answer to your why questions. We get caught in situations where we ask God why, and he doesn't seem to answer us back. And today, we're going to be looking at a man named Job, who literally loses everything. And he's left with the question, why? So Job, fun fact, this is actually one of my favorite books uh, in the Old Testament, but it's also one of the strangest books in the Bible. Uh, First of all, it doesn't take place in Israel or Canaan, Egypt, Babylon, or really any of the typical locales in the Old Testament. It actually takes place in a nation called Uz, spelt with a U-Z. It even has no Hebrew characters on it. Um, it's a cool 42 chapters long, so it's, it's, it's a decent length. Uh, and it kicks off the poetry section in the Old Testament. It's a really, really cool book. It reads differently than the prior narratives found in scripture up to that point, and actually has more in common, like the way it reads, with the parables that Jesus shares in the gospel accounts. When reading, uh, something that's very important to remember is that as the reader, we know things that Job doesn't know. As the reader, we get to listen, excuse me, we get to listen to, in the first chapter, a conversation between God and Satan, where God brags about Job, who is this righteous, godly man, and Satan challenges God, saying that he could get Job to renounce him. And Job, who is not a part of or made aware of what's happening, suddenly has all his servants running up to him, giving him the worst possible news. All of your possessions, the donkeys, the camels, the sheep, they're all gone. Your kids, who you got up, prayed for every day, well, a tornado came and took the house down. Your kids all died. But Job, he doesn't fall down and curse God, no. Instead, we read that despite the loss, he worships God, acknowledging that everything he was blessed with came from God, and so it goes back to him. (laughs) Then Satan challenges God again, saying that if he could make Job sick, then he'll renounce God. So the only thing that Satan couldn't do was kill him. And so Job um, gets afflicted with all these open sores, these really painful sores. In fact, it's so bad, and he's in such misery that his wife, who, by the way, is going through the same loss Job is going through and taking care of her husband, says this. She tells him to curse God and die. Job's friends come to comfort him, and when they see him, they cry with him. They sit by his side for a week straight. They sound like some pretty good friends. 
until they open their mouths and say some pretty bad, or give Job some pretty bad advice. Except for the last one. The last one has some good things to say. And finally, at the climax of the book, God appears. And honestly, what I have to say is one of the most just kind of epic and scary scenes in uh, the Bible, the way he approaches Job. But as the reader, we understand that from the get-go, God bragging about Job causes Job to be targeted by Satan. But for Job, he's left with the question, why? And the way the book is structured, it sets itself up so that the question of why and Job finding out the answer becomes kind of the goal of the majority of the book. Now, the question why, it's a very human response. In most cases, it's our first response. We always want to figure out why something happens to us. Between the ages of two and five, it's estimated that kids ask somewhere between or somewhere around 40,000 questions. And if you are a parent, you'll know that many of those questions are why questions. Why this? Why that? Why are you doing this? We ask the question why to make sense of the world around us. It's a very natural inclination for us to do, or something we're very inclined to do. Um, I'm in school, and say, I get a poor mark on some assignment. Well, why? The answer is, I, odds are I wasn't listening to my professor or teacher. Your child, they're having a meltdown in the grocery store. Why? Well, maybe they're tired. Maybe they're hungry. When I was five, my parents divorced. Why? A close family member is diagnosed with cancer. Despite loving the Lord, they're in pain. They can't eat. They are dying. But you just heard that your friend's sister just recovered from chemo and is cancer-free. Why? A loved one dies by suicide. Why? And it's so sad that many times the, the Christian answer is to tell those who are hurting, don't worry, God's with you. And you might not know why now, but later on when you look back, you'll say, I can't believe I missed it. I can't believe I missed all of him in all of this. You see, when those big things happen, those situations we never see coming, those tragedies, we can't help but ask, why? And that is completely natural. That is okay. But there comes a time where we have to make a choice. Either submit ourselves and our situation to God, or continue to ask, why? You see, as Job and his friends talk, Job, speak, Job begins to demand from God that God tells him why. 
And this demand begins to eclipse Job's understanding of who God is. And God takes issues with this and responds. So let's pause for a second. Before I continue, I want to set a scene in your minds. And now, if you could all imagine with me. You're sitting down with a few of your closest friends. Maybe next to you is a tree. You're on the crest of a hill, overlooking a field. To your left, down the hill, you could see your house. To the right, in the distance, you see a couple clouds begin to kind of come together, to coalesce, and they start approaching you. The wind picks up as the storm approaches, and lightning flashes, and thunder rolls from the now dark clouds. And suddenly, you hear a voice, and it says this, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. How scary would it be to have God, the creator of everything, the one from whom all life came into being, appear before you and say, brace yourself like a man. I'll be honest, I think that would be terrifying. And we don't have a PowerPoint today, but if you have a Bible or a device with you, I want to invite you to follow along. We'll be looking at Job 38, 1, uh, 1 to 7. <clears throat> then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? God then goes on for three more chapters of this. You see, God does not appear to Job to answer Job's demands, but rather reminds Job of where he stands. What happened was Job placed the importance of knowing why before remembering who God is. The thing is that when we demand to know the why, when we are consumed by it, we forget about who is in control, who God is. Let me say it again. When we demand to know the why, we forget about who God is. Do you know how the book of Job ends? Not the epilogue in which everything that was taken was returned to him, but rather Job's response. A few pages later in your Bible in Job 42, God has finished confronting Job. And Job is left with only this to say. 
and it is amazing, and honestly, it's quite beautiful. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After this, he prays for his friends. He sends them off, and the Lord blesses Job. And then we're left with, and so Job died, an old man and full of years. Job never finds out why all this happened in the end. Instead, when he encounters God, he is reminded as to who God is, reminded as to God's sovereignty. His response then was to humble himself, saying, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. When we demand to know the why, we forget who God is. So then who is he? Well, Genesis 1, from the very first sentence of the Bible, we see the sovereignty of God. In the beginning, God. Very first four words of the Bible. From the very start of time, there was God. And he created everything, giving it purpose and value. We see the sovereignty of God over all creation. So God is the God of creation, and he reigns over it all. In Genesis 16, we come across someone named Hagar. She's the servant of someone named Sarai, who wasn't able to have children. Hagar was given to Sarai's husband to sleep with and conceive a child on Sarai's behalf, and she did. Soon, Sarai becomes jealous and starts to abuse a pregnant Hagar more and more, to the point where Hagar runs away. In the wilderness, she encounters God who blesses her and sees her in the pain and shame that she is in. So Hagar calls God the one who sees, because in her suffering, God has seen her. God is the one who sees you in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your pain, he sees you when you're up late at night, crying, alone, afraid. In Isaiah 53, we're given a glimpse of Jesus who we just celebrated as God coming into his creation. 
And in verse four, Isaiah says this, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He is the one who has taken up our hurts, bearing them on the cross so we don't have to. In John 8, we see Jesus rescue a woman who was caught up in adultery, who, according to the law, was to be stoned. Without condemning her, he tells her to go and sin no more. The punishment that she deserved, she was freed from. You see, he mourns with those who mourn. He comforts the hurting. He frees the captive He rejoices when we rejoice, and he brings hope to the hopeless. He gives courage to the cowardly. He redeems the unredeemable, defends the weak, and our salvation is found in him. He is love. He is righteousness. He is just, and he is light. He is God. And when we become so consumed by the why, when we demand to know the why, we forget who he is. We forget all of that. So when we're in a situation, whether it's sickness, relationship struggles, or maybe a season of your life that you loved and was comfortable in is coming to a close, How do we remind ourselves as to who God is? Three words. Prayer, worship, and word. When we pray earnestly, our spirit reaches out to God and he responds. Prayer is the way in which we communicate to God. We can share with him our hopes and dreams our joys and sorrows. We can thank God, and he even listens when we complain to him. It's, in a sense, a verbal sacrifice, where we make ourselves vulnerable and open to God. In Psalm 51, David shares with us what I think is one of the most key things about prayer. In verses 16 and 17, he says this, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or... I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. The key to prayer is an honest heart, to be open and vulnerable and not hold anything back. When David wrote this psalm, he was in a state of intense sorrow, having been shown that he just messed up big time. When you pray, are you open to God? Are you vulnerable with him? Is it an honest, ongoing conversation between you and Jesus, or is it some ritual you do without any real meaning? Because if it is, I'll challenge you to make it more personal 
to seek God earnestly in prayer. Our second way of reminding ourselves as to who God is, is worship. Wasn't it great to just kind of usher in the new year together in worship? I I thought that was great. When we worship, we're actually humbling ourselves before God. It's a physical act. Putting him before ourselves, before all the other things in our life. And spiritually entering into his presence. When I say worship in this context, I'm talking about singing praise to God with our voices. It's honestly really difficult when we're really worshiping God to put our situations ahead of him. When we're in awe of something, in awe of God, well, then all other aspects of our lives are suddenly second place. That isn't to say we don't become distracted, because when we worship and we're distracted, I'd actually argue that we aren't actually worshiping. And if this is you, try and figure out what's distracting you and prayerfully submit it to God. The third way we remind ourselves as to who God is, is simply his word, the Bible. What better way to find out about him than through scripture? In my small group, we're going through the book of Genesis together. We're only a little bit past halfway right now, but we can't help but continually rediscover God, sharing and learning new things about him. It's Honestly, like one of the highlights of my week. It's so much fun. And if you haven't or aren't interacting with the Bible in this way, I would recommend that you find some people who you can share with. Pick a book of the Bible and dive into it. It's one of the most encouraging things you could do, and you don't actually have to be like a Bible nerd to do it. You just have to have a group. You Hearing how God is speaking to one another... And speaking to you does wonders for your soul. And it's kind of funny. Whenever I talk to youth about the Bible, uh, one of the most most common things I hear is that it's um, boring. And I'll be honest, it can be. Uh, Like when you're going through lists of names and laws. But let me challenge you to begin by getting it... to begin getting into it by asking God, what are you saying here? By asking, what am I going to learn about your character here? Because when you start having that conversation with Scripture, with God, it changes things, it speaks to you. You learn, you grow. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you something new. This is how we remind ourselves as to who God is. Can I be vulnerable with you guys today? I mentioned earlier that one of the things that might cause you to ask why is the closing of a season that you loved. Well, in my life, a season is coming to a close. Uh, I am resigning from my position as youth director uh, here at Calvary Community Church. 
And about a month ago, Pastor Barry, Pastor Doug, and myself met together to discuss the ongoing function, direction, vision, um, curriculum, and some logistical things about the youth ministry. But at some point in the meeting, we all felt that while my passion for ministry and for the church hasn't waned, the direction of my life and where God is calling me is. So as a mutual decision, I decided to resign. And throughout this process, the leadership has been amazing and taken great care to help me and also to point out where I am spiritually gifted. See, this season started 10 years ago. I graduated from high school and became a youth leader. At the time, I thought I was going to be a high school teacher. <laughs> but God had other things in mind, and I fell in love with his church. And as he grew closer with God, he grew a passion in ministry, for ministry in me. After five years as a volunteer, I was hired here as a youth director. But eventually, after co-directing for a few years, I became the sole director of youth. And what I mean to say is I've been involved with youth ministry for a decade now, not including when I attended as a youth. And God has been faithful. Through COVID, or from the beginning, through COVID, till now, and whatever's to come. I, uh, I made lifelong friends and family here. And a couple days ago, uh, we did an early New Year's thing. And about around New Year's, I look up and I look around and everybody there, I, I served with or I asked to serve underneath me. And because it's, it's been such an amazing time, I'm grieving. There's grief, there's loss. At the same time, I can't help but ask God why. Thank you. Why does it have to end? When I love it so much. And I don't know what exactly he has ahead for me. But God has planned. There's things I'm going to be doing, which is going to be fun. And I'm excited. But at the same time, I don't think I've ever prayed so hard ever worship so hard, ever tuck into the word so hard. Because at the end of this, he's what I have. In pursuit of him, in pursuit of Jesus, I'm continually reminded as to who he is. And looking back, I can't help but say thank you. Thank you, God. 
you have shown me things too wonderful for me to know. And I'm going to invite the band up to, to play. Uh, they can come back up. So I don't know what you're going through going into this year. But in the face of life's difficulties, when it throws obstacles in your way, when tragedy hits, is your response the same as Job's? Do you humble yourself before God and trust the situation you find yourself into him? Are you able to say that you have shown me things too wonderful for me to know and pursue him harder than ever before? And if if that's not you right now, that's okay. But if you want to begin to take those steps forward and you won't be alone, I want you to pray with me. God, a lot has been happening in my life lately. So far, I've been going at it all on my own. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me, and I repent of this. Remind me who you are again. Help me as I pursue you. For you have shown me things far too wonderful. Amen. If you prayed with me, I'm not going to ask you for, to raise your hand or anything. But if you, if you did, after the service, come and talk to some of us at the front. We have people here who not only want to hear your stories, but pray for you and encourage you, speak life to you. Before I close, I have two more things. The first is, some of you may not know this, but my first sermon kind of sort of thing here, outside of youth, was on Job. And three months ago, God put it on my heart to actually speak. When I, when I found out I was speaking today, he put it on my heart to speak on Job before I ever actually considered resigning. And it's been so good. And he, like, they say, like, when you prepare a sermon, you learn the most. And honestly, you really do. Secondly, if you're wondering what I'm going to be doing next, I'm going to continue attending here. I'm not leaving. Um, this is my home church. You guys are my church family. But I'll be volunteering. I lead a young adult small group. We meet every Wednesday. It's a good time. But I'm going to continue volunteering in that area of ministry. So, as I end, keep your eyes set on God. Don't forget who he is. Amen.
Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website, Facebook, or on YouTube and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.